0: Well, good morning. It's good to see everybody today, and I'm looking forward to being able to say it's good to see you and actually be looking at some living bodies. Next Sunday, May 31, we're going to begin our re-entry to having live worship here on campus here at the Heights, Midlow and Colonial Heights. Uh, We're going to begin that. May 31, we're going to do that with one service outside, we really think in this first time to come back, there's a real desire to be what we are at the Heights, a, a big giant gathering for Jesus. And the way we can best accomplish that, when I use the word big, is to do that outdoors. Because social distancing is in place, uh, outdoors will give us the space to do that. So want to invite all of those at our Midlothian campus to come over and join us on May 31. And uh, we're going to have a great time outside. One service at nine o'clock. Bring a blanket, bring chairs, whatever you want to sit on. We'll we'll all be out there for that that service at nine. Now it'll be replayed again at eleven o'clock for our live stream. Regardless of what you hear me say today, if you're an online person, nine and eleven starting May thirty-one is going to be our new times for live streaming. And the reason we're doing it at 9 and 10 for the live stream is because that's what time our services are going to be here beginning June 7th. May 31, one service, nine o'clock outside. June 7, two services here inside the sanctuary. At Colonial Heights, two services out at the Midlothian Sanctuary at 9 and 11. Now, we're not promoting a schedule change. Uh, we're doing that, that. that I guess you'd call it a COVID-19 schedule. Uh, we're doing that because we'll, we'll have a service that's an hour. But then we need time for people to move out for us to come in and do all of the cleaning, both in the sanctuary and in the restrooms that that needs to be done, disinfectant and all that, uh, and then allow the second service to come in. So it's going to take a little bit more time in between services to do that. So for the foreseeable future, and I'll I'll just refer to it as June, I hope I've got new announcements for July. So June, we're going to be 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock uh it'll it, that's all we'll be offering there'll be no no children gathering no youth gathering there'll be no nursery everybody will be in the sanctuary at 9 and 11 the same will be true out at midlothian so uh and and in that light i would imagine uh, maybe families with small children eh, you may opt to stay at home anyway and and listen we know that probably in the weeks to come There's going to be many more people continuing to worship with us online than are actually here in person. So, you know, you kind of weigh the announcements and how we're doing things and then make the decision that's best for you and your home. When you come up here, uh, we have a sheet here. As a matter of fact, if you'll go to where we've been sending you all through this time, uh, church slash statement, uh, you'll see this page. It is the Sunday worship service safety protocols. And, uh, you'll see a long list of what you can expect of your staff and of the facility, what you can know we'll be doing. And then you'll see a very short list of, of what we're asking of you and encouraging of you. And one of the things that we're encouraging is registering. We'd like to ask you to register for the service. Now, the reason for that is by the the mandates that are out there right now, we can allow about 280 in the room. That's 280 in chairs. That doesn't include the choir. That doesn't include the the people on stage, but, but 280 in chairs registering folks is for you it's, it's not for us you're not doing anything for me when you register you're doing something for you so that when you get up get dressed put everybody in the car and drive up here you're not told at the door that we're full now we're working so that we don't have to tell anybody that but uh, folks we have to control the number and the way you guarantee that you have a spot in the service is to register. So ple- please do that. You'll have to register each week uh, for that particular Sunday. So that, that's the probably the biggest thing I'm going to ask of you is that you would help us out there with registering. We are going to start with two services. Uh, if we see that we need a third, we'll be quick and ready to do that. We're starting with 9 and 11. Right now, I think if we did a third, it probably would be at 1 o'clock, 9, 11, and 1. But right now, starting June 7, it'll just be 9 and 11. It, it's a strange new world, and I hope it gets back to being normal as soon as possible. We were, we were laughing the other day that, you, you know, closing seemed like such a, a big decision. Closing was easy. It's reopening and figuring all that out that has become such a challenge. So work with us. We're going to go three, four Sundays at a time here, and uh, we'll be adjusting and responding as quick as we can. Hey, you want to also say uh, happy Memorial Day To you, it's not a memorial day like like most of us would anticipate spending a memorial weekend. But, you know, I I thought about that, why it's different for you and me. Boy, for those families that can remember somebody who was a fallen soldier, maybe even that's been recent in nature, this, this isn't a different memorial day for them at all. Uh, that the grief is very much the same. the memory is is very much the same, so boy, this is certainly a weekend as we are wondering about our government and the decisions that we 're making and and the freedoms and all that that boy we 're always mindful and respectful, whatever we 're debating and working out, boy, there have been those soldiers that have gone and paid the highest price so that we have the freedom to debate and to work it out. Boy, we here at the Heights certainly want to be mindful of those families and remember those fallen soldiers. Let's have a, a time of prayer for them right now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all those that have uh, taken up the cause of the United States of America, have taken up the cause of the the flag and our Constitution. And Lord, Lord, we know that for, for sailors, for airmen, for, for soldiers, for some of them as they've gone out to serve, Uh, they've paid the highest price they've they've given their lives. And there are today families who are missing those that have fallen. Lord, be for them what they need. Be their peace, be their comfort, be their strength on this day. I, I, I pray their family, their friends, the people around them, remember them and appreciate them. Lord, I pray that that all those that serve in the military and those families, Lord, they know here at the Heights how much we love and appreciate. Lord, we thank you for our nation, and we do pray for your blessing and your guidance on it, and that we would be a good steward of what we've been given for the very fact that there are those that have fallen in protection of its freedoms. We ask all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, yes, now let's get to a sermon. That's kind of what we came to this moment for. We're in Revelation right now, and of course that means I'm going to start in another book. No, but I was thinking of something Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 33. He said, whoever denies me before men, I will deny them before my Father in heaven. You know, I've always thought of that as as really kind of a haunting verse Jesus denying me denying that he that he knows me I mean I want to say hey that's that's not fair but but then I think about my logic for telling Jesus that's not fair and that my logic doesn't work because you know what my logic is for Jesus it's hey Jesus listen we both know I'm going to be disloyal to you we both know I'm going to fail you but you're not supposed to do that to to me that doesn't make much sense does it you, you know, we often use the word love. That, that's a big L word. We, Jesus, love for us. But another L word, loyalty. Jesus was loyal to my cause, loyal to my well-being, loyal all the way to the point that it cost his life, that it put him on the cross. Does it seem right that he could then look back on us, his followers, and say, now I'm calling you to be loyal to me? You know, my guess is you and I can can look back over the week, look back over our lives, and we can see places that we have been loyal to Christ. You know, did you know that the very act of going to church is an act of loyalty? I get, you know, I get in my car and I drive up here on, on Sunday morning and, you know, my neighbors know where I'm going. My neighbors know what I'm a part. People see us pulling onto the lot. They know who you are and what you're doing and why you're there. That's an act of loyalty. Man, we, we, we've all had places we've been loyal to Christ and we've all had places that we've not been loyal to Christ. We've been disloyal. We didn't want to be seen with Him. We, we didn't want our name connected with his. You know, you and I might look at disloyalty as, oh, you know, well, nobody's perfect. We all make mistakes. We all sin. I think what we're gonna see today is that the loyalty issue it's kind of a big issue to Jesus. Kind of a kind of a big issue to him. We're going to continue, as I just said, in our, in our series in Revelation today. And we've kind of been in a little mini series, if you will, in chapters two and three, as we've looked at, well, we've looked at five churches already. We're about to look at two more, but we've, we've had this little mini place, three messages where Jesus has spoken to seven individual churches in the first century. Boy, I hope what we've seen during this time is that might have been seven churches in the first century, but he was speaking right to the Heights Baptist in the 21st century. He was speaking right to you and to me. Today, we're going to see Jesus speak to churches number two and number six, Philadelphia and Smyrna. And, and their difference, the thing that makes them different from the other five churches is no reprimand. The the other 5 churches had a reprimand. Hey, you need to fix this. You need to change this. You need to you need to stop that. But but Smyrna and Philadelphia, no reprimand. Only applause. Man, what had they done? What were they like that it was only applause? Man, wouldn't it be something to be a to be a church that Jesus looks at and says, that's what I'm talking about. Well, what what was that about them? Well, let's look and see. Would you turn with me today to Revelation chapter 2 and 3? Revelation chapter 2 and 3. Next week at our outdoor service, we're going to be in Revelation 4 and 5. Two of the best chapters in the whole Bible. Now, that's obviously an opinion statement, but that is my opinion. Two of the best chapters. In the whole Bible, we're going to get a peek into heaven next week as we continue in Revelation. But today, chapter 2 and 3, and we're going to start with uh, chapter 2, verse 8, and this is to the church in Smyrna. Write this to the letter of the church in Smyrna. This is the message from the one who is the first and the last, who was dead but is now alive. I know about your suffering and your poverty, but you're rich. I know the blasphemy of those opposing you. They say they are Jews, but they are not because they belong to the synagogue that belongs to Satan. Don't be afraid of what you're about to suffer. The devil will throw some of you into prison to test you. You will suffer for 10 days. But if you remain faithful, even when facing death, we need to pause on that one. Jesus is absolutely calling you and me, to be faithful, to be loyal up to death. He says, I will give you the crown of life. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Whoever is victorious will not be harmed by the second death. Chapter 3, verse 7. It says, write this letter to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. This is the message from the one who is holy and true. The one who has the key of David. What he opens, no one can close. And what he closes, no one can open. I know all the things you do, and I have opened a door for you that no one can close. You have little strength, yet you obeyed my word, and you did not deny me. You remained loyal. Look, I will force those who belong to Satan's synagogue, those liars who say they are Jews but are not, to come and bow down at your feet. They will acknowledge that you are the ones I love. Because you have obeyed my command to persevere, I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world. I, I, I love that. Here's Jesus promising a church... You're not going to go through the tribulation. Now, we're going to, in this series, we're going to discuss where is the church? Where are you and I raptured before the tribulation, after the tribulation, in the middle of it? There's a lot of argument, a lot of debate on that. But here's, here's one verse where he's saying, you're not going to go through that. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take away your crown. All who are victorious will become pillars in the temple of my God, and they will never have to leave it. And I will write on them the name of my God, and they will be citizens in the city of my God, the new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches." so smyrna and philadelphia what are these how would we understand them they are they are gateway cities now what i mean by that they're both cities of of significant size uh significant um value existence i mean these are these are large significant cities But they're gateway cities. They're cities that were at the crossroads, cities where a lot of roads came through. So a lot of people coming to these cities were traveling through to get somewhere else. You know, if if you're in the United States on the East Coast and you're flying flying, West and none of us are flying right now, but you know, let's pretend we were. If we're flying west and you're on United or Delta or, or American, you're probably going through Atlanta or Dallas or Chicago. I mean, those are, those are what we call hub cities. They're hubs of those airlines. So if you're going anywhere, you're going there first. Well, That's what these were, Smyrna and Philadelphia. They were cities that you went through to get to other places. And one of the really exciting things this provided for these two churches is that they could be world missionaries without ever leaving home. Because the world came to them. You you would be interacting with, meeting people from, from all over the world, from all over uh, that area of the world. You'd be meeting people like that all of the time. And boy, if you had a chance to share the gospel or to bring them to church, man, they could carry that message with them as they went. And that was happening. Now, gateway cities, cities where there's a lot of traveling, that provides something else other than world missions. Uh, Because, let's see, how do we put this? Sometimes we do things when we're traveling that we don't do at home, right? And, And while these were two great churches, these are two wicked cities. They catered To the traveler, they peddled sin and they made a lot of money doing it. And and so you think about how they would look at the Christian, how they would look at the church. You know, if if I walk up to somebody and say, hey, why don't you come to church with me? Or, hey, can I tell you a little bit about what Jesus has meant in my life? I'm saying that to somebody who is looking for sin, who is peddling sin, or who's making a lot of money with sin. So how are they going to look at me now? at best as an annoyance. Man, I am, I am bad for business. I am somebody that is, is getting in the way of their pleasure, uh, getting in the way of their rights and, and then their freedom. So, man, there's a lot of people that just did not like the presence of Christians and, and did not like the presence of the church. In both churches, both, both cities, Philadelphia and Smyrna, you hear this ref, reference to the synagogue of Satan. That's a very interesting reference. The, that, that phrase, synagogue of Satan, only appears in two places in the whole Bible. And you just read those two places; these two cities. There's this reference to a synagogue of Satan, nowhere else in Scripture. What is, what is that? You know, since we can't really connect it with anything else, it's a, a little bit hard to understand what that means. Both places referred to people who call themselves Jews, but then Jesus says, "But they're really not." It, it kind of reminds me in Acts, uh, Paul had a, a small group of Jews absolutely committed to disturbing, disrupting, to destroying his ministry. They literally followed him from city to city. And when he got up to speak, they'd start a riot. They would do anything they could to stop the church, stop the gospel, stop Paul. I kind of wonder if if that's what's happening right here, if this is the same thing. As tricky as it is to understand that, that, the good news is we don't actually need to fully grasp that to grasp what Jesus is saying right here. It's pretty clear what he's saying. He he says, hey, 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 listen, you've you've got an enemy. And real quickly, when we say enemy, we think of, oh, the the government is our enemy or the culture is our enemy or that person, that group, that's my enemy. But what's the power behind that enemy? What's the power behind what they're doing? It's Satan. Boy, the scripture is always trying to keep us focused on who the real enemy is. Now, Smyrna and Philadelphia are are dealing, again, with, with a culture that finds them at best annoying. They, they've got enemies, people actually attacking them. And it, and it appears that they have remained very faithful, very loyal to Jesus through it all. And Jesus says, hey, I, I know what you're going through. Jesus always respects it folks when when you and I endure for him live for him we pay that cost over and over what we see is Jesus acknowledging respecting appreciating when we when we do that and he says here he says hey i see the trouble you're going through and the poverty that it's caused in smyrna christian homes were being targeted when they identified a Christian, they'd they'd find out where they'd live, and then when they were gone, they'd go and they'd ransack the house. They would take everything out of it, still anything of value. Well, as this happened over and over and over, I mean, the the, the Christians are becoming impoverished. And Jesus, hey, I, I see what what you're enduring there for me, and and then he, gosh, you know, he says, hey, I see, but then he, what does he say? And it's gonna get worse. <laughs> Satan is going to keep coming after you the devil is going to throw you in jail and then he uses he says this he says you're going to have 10 days of tribulation 10 days you know 10 is a that's a number in our vernacular that's a number in our culture you know the perfect score 10 is is, is a kind of a central number for us but it wasn't there not not in this culture not in this language 3, 7, 12 yes but not 10 So when he says there's 10 days of tribulation, the interpreter is looking at that and thinking, that doesn't sound like he means a literal 10 days. But if it's symbolic, what's it symbolic of? What's the symbol? What what does that mean? Some people have said, and this is looking back on history, that it's 10 emperors, 10 Roman emperors that were going to bring tribulation. And that There's some problems with that view, but it it kind of works. But here again, kind of like the synagogue of Satan, whether I fully grasp what that symbol is or, or what it means, it doesn't really change the meaning because Jesus ultimately says, hey, here's the point. I'm calling you to be faithful unto death. Again, the believer has to pause and think about that. Jesus is calling me to be faithful to him, even to the point that it costs my life. Did I know that I signed up for that? (laughs) Is, Is that what I am ready and willing to do? And we might be quick to say, boy, I tell you this, this following Jesus thing really costs a lot. You know, the disciples several times said to Jesus, hey, Jesus, you know, we've given up this and we've given up that to be able to follow you. Do you know every time they said that to Jesus, you know, he said, yeah, I'm giving up anything. Anything you've lost for a moment, just a brief moment, I'm going to restore to you a hundred times over for all eternity. So if you kind of take that conversation Jesus had with his disciples and you bring it to where we are right now and and we hear Jesus calling us to be faithful to death and we think, gosh, Lord, really given up a lot here. Can, Can you imagine how Jesus would respond? He's going to say, hey, listen, we're all dying anyway. I've got for you eternal life. Hey, hey, Lord, this is really costing me a lot. I'm losing a lot of stuff to follow you. Jesus, hey, hey, anything you have, you're going to lose one day anyway. I've got eternal riches for you. You see, anything that you and I give up, anything that we lose, Jesus restores and gives a hundred times over for all eternity. So I hate to say this, folks, but I, I think maybe from Jesus' perspective, he's not actually asking us to give up that much. Are you willing to be faithful to him? Not, not to friends, not to temptations, not not to the mood of the moment, but faithful to him, even to death. You know, my guess is a lot of us would say, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to die for Jesus. Of course, it's easy to be willing to do something you're not more than likely going to have to do, I mean that thus far in American history, uh, we haven't, as believers, had to give up our lives for following Christ. I mean, hey, if you said I'm ready to die for Jesus in Smyrna and Philadelphia, you better have your will prepared. That was a real possibility, but you and I can say, and I'm not, I'm not suggesting that we don't mean it, but I'm not likely going to have to do that when I say I'm willing to die. For Jesus, But if we are willing to die for Jesus, could we back up from that cost and say, I'm willing to live for Jesus? I mean, certainly if I'm willing to die for him, then I'm willing to live for Jesus. I'm willing to be loyal to him over my sinful temptations. I'm willing to be loyal to him over my friends who don't really want to hear about that. I'm, I'm willing to be loyal no matter what the cost might be you know have you have you measured what that loyalty looks like have you measured how we're going to be loyal to Jesus where where in my life will i do that and and you know whatever whatever we're required to give up Jesus is going to show himself faithful always you know as as he calls the church in philadelphia it's a it's a really interesting kind of vindication here, you know again, whatever we might give up, whatever suffering we might go through uh you know jesus has already said i'm i'm going to bring you justice i'm going to make all wrongs right, and then to the church in Philadelphia, there in chapter three, verse nine. He, he says, hey, you know, one day I'm going to bring your enemies, the ones who made you, the uh, made fun of you, who mocked you, who stole from you. I'm going to march them before you. They're going to have to bow before you, and they're going to know that you were the one I loved. Boy, that's pretty sweet vindication, isn't it? i, I That's kind of a unique spot in Scripture. I mean, it's like, wow, they're going to have to... They're, they're going to see what a good position I'm in. I mean, that really is just sweet vindication. You know, some might look at this and say, you know, I, I appreciate that. But why does Jesus require those he loves to suffer? Why does he allow that to happen? And, and folks, you know what? The scripture very clearly talks a lot about that. Uh, more than I'm going to go into today. But Jesus will allow you and I to enter suffering to prove our faith to test our faith. Those are actually two very different things. Proving the faith that is there, testing that faith. You know, one of the reasons Jesus will allow us to go through suffering suffering, is it's one of our greatest opportunities to bring glory to him. I, I, I mean, folks, a lot of times we think of bringing glory to Jesus when we've been successful and, and we're going to acknowledge, oh, it's it's all from him, it's all by him. Maybe the people who hear that and watch that get it. Maybe they don't. But think about this. When my enemies are watching me endure, they're watching me to remain loyal to Christ, no matter what they're doing to me. That is a profound and clear way to communicate how much Jesus is worth to me. He is worth so much to me that I'm willing to endure whatever misery, whatever pain, whatever problems you're throwing at me. What what a great way to give glory to to Christ. Boy, and he certainly is here just, just throwing at us all of this, this picture of, of the future and, and, and what we get in that, because our, our future will help us have hope today. And, and you know, saying that, we'll, we'll still struggle this week, my guess is, with being loyal with this summer this year, there'll there'll be places where we still struggle with being loyal. And and I see so much in this passage of how Jesus is talking to the churches, showing them who he is, that he's almost making promises to them, um, giving them motivation for why they would remain loyal. He promises himself, He says, hey, I'm I'm the first and I'm the last. We've heard that title. But think of him communicating that right here. You are somebody's in the, the midst of a really difficult moment. We might say a real bad page in the story. And folks, this whole life doesn't even add up to a page when you get into eternity. But, but, but imagine that you're, you're on a bad page and Jesus says, I'm the first and the last. That page isn't the first thing in your life. And it certainly isn't going to be the last thing in your life. I'm going to be the last thing. Maybe another way to think of that. Jesus is the last say on you. Folks, you and I are sometimes disloyal to Christ because I'm concerned about what that enemy or that friend is going to say about me if i if I show myself loyal to Jesus here and and that friend that enemy, they may have a say about me in this moment, but they don't have the last say. Jesus has the last say you you know if you're an unbeliever, that's actually a warning. Ah, but for those of us that are followers we we're, we're followers of Christ, Jesus gets the last say. On me. So Jesus promises himself into our lives. He promises opportunity. He talks about the, the key of David. The key of David was the key to the to the treasury room at the palace. Well, the, the treasury room at the palace, what that represents all the wealth of the king, all, all the wealth of the nation. Folks, when Jesus says, I've got that key, he's talking about the wealth of the universe. The wealth of eternity. Hey, the one we're loyal to, that's the one who has everything. And he has put before us an opportunity. Jesus promises us an opportunity. You know, I, there's a variety of ways we could talk about what that opportunity is. I think one of the things that, that's so exciting about being a believer, being loyal, being ready to share the gospel, is that no matter what, What's going on in our lives? We always have a chance to live a life that counts for eternity. Hey, I'm having a good day. I'm having a bad day. I'm rich. I'm poor. I'm loved by everybody around me. I'm hated by everybody around me. You know, folks, when we're sharing the gospel, we think about the persecution and what might come. But let's keep in mind, sometimes when we share the gospel, people actually say yes. Sometimes when we invite them to church, they actually say yes and end up coming to Christ. And, and man, now they have eternal life. They have eternal riches. I have more reward. Man, listen, in, in being loyal to Christ, I have the opportunity to do things that touch eternity, to do things that count forever. How exciting is that? And and, and lastly there, folk, well, not lastly, but the three things I'm sharing today anyway, J- Jesus... Jesus promises eternity. He says, Man, I'm going to give you a crown of life. You're not going to taste the second death. Now, Second death, that implies a first death. Well, the first death is what every one of us goes through. That's what we think of going to the funeral and into the casket and down into the ground. The, the first death is the separation of the soul from the body. We're all going to go through that, believer and unbeliever, saved and unsaved. We're all going to have that separation of the soul from the body. No big deal because right on the other side of that, we get a new body a new body that lasts for all eternity. The question is not the new body. The question is where that body is going to spend eternity. First death, separation of the soul from the body. The second death is the separation of the soul from God. That's the lake of fire. That's hell. That's never again being able to experience or know the presence of Now, our passage today is not really about that, so I won't go into that right now. We will during the course of this series. But what's being promised to you and me is we don't have to worry about a second death. We're heading to to the throne room of God we're heading to heaven and man look what it says here i'm i get a new name i get god's name on me all kinds of people wigging about wigging out about the mark of the beast and what's the name of the beast hey i got the name of god on me and i'm going to i'm going to be in that house and he calls us a pillar a pillar. Yeah, I don't know if you've had much chance to travel, or maybe you've seen this in, in books, but if you ever look at ancient ruins, have you noticed how often the last thing standing is a pillar? I mean, the roof may have caved in, walls may be, but pillars will still be there. A pillar is absolutely a symbol of strength and, and permanence. Jesus is telling me, I am going to be permanent in the house of God. I'm going to be, I'm going to be strong. I'm not going to be sniveling and, oh, what am I even doing in here? I'm afraid to be in here with God. I'm going to be in a position of strength in the very presence of God. How awesome is that? And again, remember, he's talking to people that are suffering, that are, that are paying a high price. And what's he do? He gives them a peek into the future. A, a, a peek into heaven, you know folks stopping and thinking about heaven won't won't remove today's problems i I don't even know that it would make today's problems easier today's problems can can still hurt, can still sting, can be very difficult to get through, but the person who has a hope in the future has strength for the present, and Jesus is reminding us of the incredible hope we have. In our future, and the strength that can be for us right now, the strength that should be for us right now, how are we going to use that strength? Do we think about using that strength in being loyal to him? you know i I, I said a moment ago we 've got places in our life where we 've been loyal to Christ, but we 've got places where we haven 't you know if you 're like me there there might be a spattering of places but there's also the place there's that person or that group of people or there's that place that whenever i'm there chances are pretty good i'm going to be disloyal chances are pretty good i'm 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 not putting my name up there with jesus and showing that we're together do you have a place like that a person a certain place that when you're around that the odds of being disloyal go way up Hey, let's use our strength to focus first and foremost on the place that we're most disloyal. And let's start knocking those places out of our life. He was loyal to us. Let's be loyal to him. Let's be that church, he says. That's what I'm talking about. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I would pray for the heights baptist and when i lord i know that when i say that name the heights baptist you don't see a building you don't see a sign you see all of the individuals right now bowed in prayer lord i pray we would be that church that you could look at and say that's what i'm talking about god point out that place those places that person that we are most likely to be disloyal And God, we're asking you right now for the strength that you will show us, that you'll guide us into how in those very places we begin being loyal. Lord, show us right now. Let us think on right now what that means, what that looks like. And let's prepare ourselves. Oh, we ask for your help in this, Jesus. And we pray that in the name, in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, looking forward to seeing you next week, either online or outdoors for a great service. God bless. Have a great week.